God is good, isn't he? Well, Happy New Year. You know, I look around the room and I see that we have veterans of many New Years. And some of us have been around for several. I look back over the last year and I see the good, but I also see a tangled mess. And one of the things that uh, the Lord wants me to help with this morning is to hopefully, and I believe in faith, to untangle some messes. And um, that fan is blowing my notes around. I'll try not to be too distracted. Oh, it's the Holy Ghost wind. There have been times when I have been so close to that that I have felt that here. I, I want to speak to you a message that the Lord gave me a green light on this one. And, and I would not have spoken it otherwise. And the Lord says I, that he wanted me to go back to a message that, that I spoke some 22 years ago. It's when he first gave this word to me. And it had everything to do with my life and what was going on around me. 22 years ago, we were still down, stayed in a little church in Clarkston, and, and the church has gone on, the building's no longer there. And in that time, the Lord says that there are going to be, in my life, seasons of transition. And so I want to speak to you this morning on seasons of transition. And there's going to be three different areas. And in those three areas, I am, I am not here with a word of the Lord for a particular person in a particular circumstance. I want to clear that up right now. But if it applies to you in such a manner, then that's between you and God, okay? But what I'd like to do is to try to bring some clarity to some things, some things that are yet to come perhaps in your life, and that seems to be part of my gifting as well. But um, I want to draw us to, first of all, to Acts, book of Acts 17, verse 28, if Larry has that ready to go. Father, I want to thank you for your word this morning. I want to thank you that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in us and quickening our mortal bodies. And I pray, God, for our mortal ears to hear this word and to be strengthened in our immortal interior spirit man that will dwell with you forever. And Lord, I pray for this word, this day, and this hour, in Jesus' name, amen. Paul said this, book of Acts. Luke wrote it, heard him say it. And it was in a place called Athens, a very idolatrous place. And he says this about God, about the Holy Spirit. He said, for in him, in Christ... We live and move and have our being. And then he went on to say, as some of your own prophets and poets have said, we are his offspring. That's a very clear word. But because we are his offspring, in him we live and move and have our being. Now, we like the living part because it's so lively. But if you're alive, there's movement. That is a sign of life, by the way. You stop moving, then you better check to see if you're still breathing. And even spiritually, let that apply. But also, and we have our being. And we've heard a lot this morning about being obedient. And, and uh, we heard a lot about uh, faithfulness. And, and brother, that was on my heart this morning, coming over here. It was, it was like, God, you're so faithful to me. So faithful. And then the word came, the, the verse came that says, it is given to us as stewards to be faithful. To much is given, much is required. And so we have been given much. In him we live and move and have our being. We also know this, that the Bible says in several different places that we go from faith to faith, strength to strength, and power Faith to faith, strength to strength, and 
glory to glory. How could I trip over that one? Glory to glory, faith to faith, strength to strength. Each of those three verses, and they are separate verses, has a common word. Did you pick that out? Faith to faith, strength to strength, glory to glory. Do you know that one common word is the most troublesome word? Wouldn't we like to live in faith all the time? Wouldn't we like to live in strength all the time? Wouldn't we like to live in glory all the time? Well, I just want to tell you that we do. But that two word is like the ocean. That two word shows us in life that there are that there are transitions from one glory to another glory, from a time of great strong faith that can rise up like a light switch, boom. And then later on, you're back to your normal self and wondering what was that and what was that all about. There's that word two. That little two word is transitional and it's trouble. The other day I was moving some stuff around with my wife and and I, I like instantly turn into a different person when I have to move things. And I don't know if every husband goes through this or not, but I'll be honest with you for a minute here. I told Vicky, I said, Vicky, I said, if I seem a little grumpy and short, I just pinpointed something by the way of the Lord. I mean, it's, it just became so clear to me. I counted the other day how many times I've moved. My whole entire life. To give you a clue, I was born in Augsburg, Germany. Okay, so I moved a little bit. Sometimes short. Sometimes it was across the street. Sometimes it was across the country. Sometimes, fill in the blanks, 45 times. And I told my wife, I said, you know, I don't want to compare this to other people that deservedly have this and by great honor, but I've got some PTSD from that. How many times have you moved? Did you enjoy it? No. It's because we are not a very good transitional people. And so this morning I want to give you three seasons of transition. The first season is that it, it belongs to, it, this example comes from the life of Moses. Some things pass away. And there's another season I hope to speak to you about, and it's that some things are taken away, as in the life of Elijah. And then lastly, God willing, that there is a season where things fade away, and that is with the life and example of John the Baptist. And so I want to bring these to you, and I pray God would bless it to you in, in some things. But I want to start with, with Moses. And if you will look at with me along with, uh, along with me in Deuteronomy 34, 5 through 8. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab. Can you think of a better funeral, a better graveside service? than having God himself bury you. Does that say something about Moses? He was a friend of God. And as one friend would bury another in the passing, so the Lord did. But it was with good reason, because he knew that Israel would prostitute themselves, go with full-fledged idolatry, if they could get a hold of his bones, and even the devil wrestled with those bones, wrestled for it. The devil wanted those bones. Pretty important stuff. The Lord buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor, but to this day no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days, keep that in mind, until the time of weeping and mourning was over. The book of Deuteronomy was written by Moses. It was the last of the five books of Moses. 
and it means law again. And he was writing out the law according to the word of the Lord at a very appropriate time in Israel's history. The ones that were the children of provocation, the children of disobedience, the children of the exodus, one by one died because they didn't believe God and were to die off in the desert. And the Lord had them wander around in the desert and giving them time to die. God is patient with that. What's a few more years to him? It was everything to Israel. They suffered and died in the desert because they didn't have to, because they didn't believe God. They didn't want to move in God. And that's a great story in itself. When the cloud lifted in the daytime, they moved. They packed up and moved. When the fire above the the temple or the tabernacle of God, the glory of God, his presence, as a fire at night, when it would appear, they would pack up and go, even in the nighttime. I don't know about you, but I've I've never moved in the night. It was always in the daylight. Sometimes in snowstorms, sometimes in rainstorms, but never at night. I figured that I could choose. I couldn't choose the weather, but I could choose daylight or dark. But not Israel. Until they came to the river, all the old ones had passed away, and now this was a new generation that was going to cross over, and they were going to go into the promised land. Do you know what they were waiting for? The last one to die. You know who the last one is to die? It was Moses. So you might be one of those here that would question, why Why would he have to die? Why couldn't Moses go into the promised land? God, had, God says, you're not going to see it. You're not going to see it. Why is that? You think God is so harsh. If they were friends like we read, oh, the contradictions in the Bible, right? No, it's ignorance. If you do not understand why Moses died, you haven't read the New Testament and understood it in light of the old. And it goes something like this. Right around the book of Numbers 20, the Lord spoke to Moses when the Israelites were saying, we need water, we need water. And they are, once again, they were ready to kill Moses. And in Numbers 20, the Lord gave specific instructions to Moses and said, speak to this rock, and it will bring forth water. You know that there was one other occasion. There was a prior occasion to that. This was nothing new to Israel, to the Israelites. They'd seen this before. And yet they were pitching a hissy fit and saying, we want water, we want it now. And Moses was getting ticked off at him. The Lord's, and once before he struck the rock, the first time, struck it, and the Lord says, it's stick in your hand. Go strike the rock and water will come forth. Well, this time, some years later, this time they said, we want water. And Moses lost his temper. And because of, their, because of their unbelief, and Moses just came to the edge of it. He was done with it. He just, you know, he, he, took, he took a stick, and he didn't strike the rock once. He hit it twice. And because of that, the Lord said, you will not enter the land in which I have promised. You think that's harsh? Let me clear that up. Let me clear that up. Again, You've probably read this but didn't understand it in light of the old. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4. Paul says this to the church in Corinth. He says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food, and drank the spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. How many times was Jesus smitten? 
on the cross one time. Christ was not going to suffer twice. Christ was not going to be hit twice. Are you following me? Oh, get your thinking minds on. Christ is not going to be smitten twice. And that is why the Lord looked at him and said, okay, first of all, he was disobedient. But then came the symbolism where, where the Lord himself was looking at this rock symbolically later on. It's going to be a place where they received their drink, a heavenly drink. And Paul spoke of it. This goes all the way back through the legends, the writings of historians. That rock was Christ. And it had already been smitten. So the Father says, or however you want to break it down, the Lord said, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to Moses and said, I want you to now speak to that rock. Speak to it. Don't hit it. It's already been hit. Paul also went on to say that when we sin, we crucify him all over again. Wear that in your mind. Wear that in your mind. Let it brand your thinking that when you sin, you crucify him all over again. What help is left after you do that? There, you understand? Maybe can't, can't grab a hold of it? Think about it a little bit, study it out. Christ was not to be smitten twice. That rock was Christ. Paul says, this rock. And he goes all the way back into, the, into Moses' day. And he's describing Moses' day. That's why Moses didn't enter in. And I thought to myself, Lord, was it because he was angry? God help me, I've been angry. And it's okay to be angry, but don't sin in it. Moses sinned in it. He hit the rock not once, but twice. Shouldn't have done that. Here's another thought to help with that. In the day of the Passover, in the day in which the death angel came and the the Israelites were going to go out that very night and they had their first Passover meal, they took the blood and they put it where? The doorposts and the top. How come not on the threshold? Because the blood of Christ is never to be trampled underfoot. Serious. Seasons of transition. Some things pass away. They couldn't enter into something new. They couldn't move. They had been camped there at the Jordan. And they're probably thinking, come on, Moses, hurry up and write that book. This is your last book. No, it wasn't like that. Everybody knew. Everybody was aware. Word goes through the camp that someday Moses is going to be taken from us. And when we do that, Joshua is going to take us across. And so it came to pass, the Lord says, Hey, Moses, come on, let's go for a walk. He took him up to a high place and he showed him everything. Showed him everything. Said, this is the land. But you aren't going to enter into it as you know. (laughs) I wouldn't want to enter in either after standing with the Lord face to face. I would want to go with him. It was a good kind of passing. And yet, he was missed. And he mourned. They mourned over him for 30 days. There was additional time of mourning. Why? It's because it's transitional. When something passes away in your life, mourn over the loss. Unless it's something you really needed to kick out or die in your life. That's different, but you you hear what I'm saying. Good things pass away, don't they? And I'm not even talking about necessarily about people. It happens. 
This life is so temporary. Of course it's transitional. But in this transition, this transition where some things pass away, it's very important. It's okay to mourn over it and weep over it, but don't stay there and grieve over it past a normal time. You've seen this and I've seen this about people who mourn over something they can never resuscitate, never resurrect, and shouldn't be. And yet they mourn. In the same church that I received this message, in the same office, in fact, one day I was just grieving over a decision for holiness. But yet I had to make this decision, and one-third of our church just walked out in one service. Just You think, oh, brother... You're not a very good pastor. I wouldn't have been a good pastor to put up with it any further. And I grieved over that from time to time, thinking, you know, if we were a little bit bigger church, we wouldn't have these small church problems. And the Lord says, said to me, it's so clear, so clear. It was almost vocal, and it just pierced me through. But yet it relieved me to hear it. He said, Rip, how long will you grieve over Saul? You know where that word is? Write it down and study it out. How long will you grieve over Saul? Who was Saul? He was Israel's first king. God gave him a king because they wanted one. He wanted to be their king. But they said, no, give us a king like all the other, all the other nations. They have kings, but we don't. Well, guess what? God gave him a king just like they had kings. Ungodly. And then he died in battle. But during that time, before he died in battle, long before that, is the Lord spoke to Saul, or he spoke to Samuel, excuse me. Samuel, who was grieving because he anointed Saul. He loved Saul. Saul was, was a good good king at that time he was just fantastic you know and and the lord and he grieved over that grieved over saul's disobedience you know that part where the lord's he had to go say what is this bleeding of sheep i hear in my ears you were supposed to kill them and because your disobedience ripped the robe off him and he said this robe will be ripped away from you just like the kingdom will be well at that point saul knew something was going wrong and then and then you know like very soon afterwards uh, you know the lord spoke to to samuel and said get your horn of oil go to the house of jesse and anoint the man that I'm going to show you. You know that story. But he said, how long are you going to grieve over Saul? Quick, get your oil and go. Problem with this transition dynamic of some things passing away is that we have a tendency to mourn too long and mourn often. When the Lord doesn't want us there. And I, and I think back to, you know, just... Not too long ago, early last year, when everybody was mourning the loss of normal life. People were weeping over that which God would judge. Don't do that. When you're mourning over something, be careful that you are mourning, first of all, over righteous things. Passing away. And don't grieve too long. You may miss it from time to time, but don't grieve. The Lord is not pleased with that. And so that's the first danger. That's the one little beware, little caution, little little caveat. That if we're still grieving, we aren't moving. And, th- and these seasons of transition are about you moving in God. For in Him we live, we move, and we have our being. And all of that is short-circuited. If we hang ourselves up in that T-O word from one to the other. Strength to strength. Faith to faith. Glory to glory. It's that little two word. Hangs us up. 
Would you turn with me to 2 Kings 2, 1 through 14? 2 Kings 2, 1 through 14. Laying aside the example of Moses, we will look at this one. Some things are taken away. Ever have something taken away from you? Well, it was there a minute ago. (laughs) I find out that most things are just lost or misplaced at this point in my life. I just have to look for them a little bit further. But I I can joyfully look back and say, I don't like it when something is taken away. And I knew full well that the Lord took it away. I knew it. I didn't grieve or mourn. Why, I was just a little bit indignant about it. And then I had to repent. And then I moved into joy. Make sure that when you're going through a transitional season to make sure that the transition is complete. And in this case, some things are taken away. Elisha was the servant of Elijah. Elijah was a sign and wonders kind of guy. And and he was well-loved. He was well-revered, well-respected. But not by everybody. But, I mean, usually when he came to town, people would look at him and say, Oh, here comes Elijah. Go and hide. Or they would ask this question. They'd say, Do you have... Are you here to to bring us a bad word or a good word? Are you here to warn somebody? Is somebody going to die? Is somebody, you know, it was always not a good thing for him to come to town. But in this case, they were going from town to town, and Elisha was following along. Elisha, I nicknamed him the double portion man. When you look at all and count all this is this is thank you for the dakes annotated bible do you have dakes at home if you don't what a way to liven up your study life a dakes is good stuff dakes he uh finnis dake he was studious i mean he was exhaustive and in, in fact he lived that life buried under books and many times his wife had to wake him up or bring him bring him food or say, come on, let's go to bed. And he was already sleep passed out on his notes. He did that to put together the annotated Bible for us. And it's still good today. Elijah did eight recorded miracles. Elisha, who asked for a double portion and received it, did 16. Isn't that amazing? But you know the last miracle that Elisha performed he wasn't even alive do you know what his last miracle was it was his bones people were on the run and and they're trying to to bury people and one wasn't doing well you know a, a fallen soldier if i just recall here they threw him in they threw him in into a they threw him on a pile of bones in a cave i don't know if they knew it or not but all of a sudden, their friend jumped to life just because his dead body touched the bones and the Lord's going, oh, we got to do something here. Here's another one. I say that in jest, kind of, a sanctified jest, but that's what happened. Elisha followed Elijah around as a servant should. He was faithful, and everybody knew it. Oh, what it must have been like to follow someone like that who was gifted, so gifted, with fire. He was the one who did it out with Jezebel. He's the one that prophesied her death and the way she was going to die. You know the story. Came to the end of Elijah's, Elijah's ministry and his life. And he's going from town to town with Elisha following him. And even the prophets, the company of prophets that so followed him around. And they, there were a lot of prophets the, you know, that, that weren't even mentioned in the Bible. It's true. They had schools of the prophets. And so these minor prophets, 
They were looking, they were looking at the two of them go by, Elijah and his servant Elisha, and they all spoke to Elisha and said, you know, the Lord is going to take your master away today. You know, he's going to pass away. He's going to, you know, and, and Elisha just turned around, looked at him and said, I know, just be quiet. And kept walking town to town, read the account town to town, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a world, when Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and you live, I will not leave you. That's important. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and they asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? And he says, Elisha says, yes, I know. But do not speak of it. Next. Thank you. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha. Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, but don't speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, his master, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance. They wanted to watch. Facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan, Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? And Elisha says, I want to inherit a double portion of your spirit. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Difficult. Yet if you see me, when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, not. And as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and he cries out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elijah saw him no more. Elisha saw him no more. Then he took a hold of his own clothes and he tore them apart. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and he stood on the bank of the Jordan. And everybody was watching. Then he took the cloak that had fallen from him and he struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left and he crossed back over on dry ground. Hmm. I look at this season of transition From that day forward, and I've had several, I try to look at it with eternal eyes. I want to see God's eyesight. I want to, I want to be right in his field of view as it relates to him and not with me down here on little old earth. I want an eternal view And that can help me with my eyes of faith. Once I know that God's behind this, I know I can deal with it. Some things are taken away. What can we take from this transitional season of things being taken away? Simply as this. Look at Elisha. 
First of all, he said, I'm going to be faithful and follow. I am not going to leave my post. Just because something's going to be taken away from me, I am not going to leave my post. Until he passes away. Until he was taken away. Excuse me. My theology suffered that one. He didn't die. He was whisked away. And yet, and yet, Elisha took that mantle and he struck the water. He tested it. He tried it. He, was, he wasn't tempting God. He was walking in what he was rightfully given. And the first of 16 happened at the very moment that he came to the same river that was no longer divided. You know, if it was God's will for him, so to speak, you hear that said a lot. Well, if it's God's will, walk in what you know and God's will will be filled in. Worship him as you go. Worship your way through transitions. Worship him. And in that you will see that sometimes when the river has come back together and it's flowing, that maybe the Lord wants you to do that. Strike the water and watch what happens. There's something that we need to be aware of, though, is this thing called distraction. Do you see how many times he could have been distracted? And how did Elisha deal with the distractions? Shut up. It's what he said. Functionally, say, oh, brother, that's not in the word. (laughs) Just suppose maybe it's written to us in kindness. But don't be distracted. And you need to treat distractions with that kind of discretion. There are many things to distract us. There are many things to pull us away from what is taking place. God wants to move us on to greater things than that which is passed away or taken away. And we can't get there because we're hung up. He could have easily be hung up. How many times, you know, was he told by his own master, oh, you stay here. He says, no. I will not. I'm going to move with you. I'm going to be with you. I will not miss a moment of this. And especially the moment when you leave. You know, funny thing. How many of you have heard this old term, I wonder who's going to get his mantle when he dies. Do you know how unbiblical that is? That borders superstition. Sanctified superstition. I've heard this. I've read this. You know being a prophetic person, I read about these things and, and, and I remember this about hearing it from David Ravenhill. Does anybody know Leonard Ravenhill? Have you ever heard of him? Read some of his stuff. Oh my goodness, it's like everybody wanted to gather around his bedside and receive his mantle. And I have to go back to Elisha and say this, the reality of that double portion was not in the mantle. I hope you see that. It wasn't. Elijah didn't say, hey, if you pick up my mantle, you'll have it. Wrong. The reality of that double portion is not in the mantle, but it's in the seeing. Endeavor to see what God is doing. That's where the mantle is. Lest we become hung up on material things made by man's hands. Don't be distracted from what God is doing. In the season of transition where things are taken away, that's really important because it happens abruptly. It was a few years back, not too long ago, I had to do that. I had to move in something abruptly. I wanted to drag it out and try to give God every sort of chance to work this thing out. And it was something that it was part of my assignment. And it's like, Lord, I don't want to leave too early. And all of a sudden, it was like, rip. Time to go. And it's now. And so my wife and I did. And we left. Everybody says, oh, it was so abrupt. 
That's because you didn't have eyes to see. Because you were blind. I'm amazed at how people can see things right in front of them, but because they don't want to believe it, because they don't want to walk in God, because they don't want, they refuse to change. They refuse to go into a transition, and they become prideful and arrogant and ignorant is the name Some things are taken away, and it happens abruptly, and it's not, it's not a fun thing to go through. But yet, if you do not go through it as a season of transition, it, when something's taken away from you, move on! There's nothing left to do! Are you still with me? Okay, one more. Some things pass away. Some things are taken away. Some things fade away. If you'll join me in John chapter 3, 26 through 30. Jesus said that there was no one born of woman greater than John the Baptist. But even the lowest of you are greater than he is in the kingdom of heaven. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. I look at these stories. If I could be like anybody in the Bible, it would be John the Baptist. A voice of one crying out from the wilderness. Make straight the paths of the Lord. He was a cousin. Jesus' cousin. He was baptized in the Holy Ghost in the womb. Whoo, what a way to come out. Wow. But then came John the Baptist in his ministry. And in verse 26, they came to John, his own disciples. John's disciples, you know, they didn't stay with him by his side all the time. You know, they, they were out moving around, part of society, part of culture. And, and they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, the man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, a man can only receive what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but I am sent ahead of him. Forerunner. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. And he said, that joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. I, I must decrease because he must increase. Now, can you read that and not have any red flags going off? There are so many things that I look at and I marvel at this. First of all, first of all, as they were, were looking at Jesus baptizing and they, they were losing their own people to follow Jesus. When things are fading away, it's hard to deal with on a prolonged installment plan. It's hard to deal with that. I'll be the first to admit it. I've been through this season too. I can give lots of stories, but I can tell you from my own heart, move through it. Allow God to bring the increase later on somewhere else, but it's time for you to pick up and go. I wonder what John was thinking, you know, in between the lines that we read. You know, I try to do that, put myself in that place like, you know, when we get to heaven, there's going to be a lot of that going on. So I I try to get a jump start in doing that here on this earth a little bit when I read between the lines of Scripture. And I I look at this and I, and I I want to step out where John the Baptist was and say things that he probably didn't. And it's a good thing I wasn't there, but I would have looked at his disciples and say, what's wrong with you guys? That man across the river is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
And your own boss even spoke of him. Oh my goodness. John said, you heard me say that. There's a man coming after me. I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. He will baptize. I baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. They were content with water when they could have had Holy Ghost and fire. That's what is wrong with that. They were content with the natural when they could have crossed the river and had the supernatural. Hmm. Hmm. There's something wrong here. When I read this story, there's something that doesn't fit. They should have all just said, John, he's here. Do you mind? We're going to give you a two weeks notice or whatever. We don't want to be abrupt about this thing, but I want to move on. I don't know about y'all. That's what they should have said. Well, many did, didn't they? Didn't they speak of that? Didn't it bother them? Yes, it bothered them. Do you know that those same ones? Probably. Okay, I'm going to put this out there for a little sanctified speculation. But they didn't leave John the Baptist and join up with Jesus until they carried his headless body to Jesus. Didn't have to be that way. Shouldn't have been that way. The temptation to take that which is ordained by God to decrease and try to add increase to it, what you were doing is you were carrying out in the flesh what was begun in the Spirit. Hello, book of Galatians. And in that situation, everybody can see it. The crowds have already left, but you're staying Everybody else is on following Jesus. And you're with the water baptizing man when he could have been with the one who gives spirit life and fire. Oh. Do you see the caveat in that? Do you see the beware? The, do you see the caution you can't take that which is ordained to, to just completely fade away. And so, and that was a kind, that was the mercy of God. God loved John the Baptist deeply. Jesus, when John the Baptist, when he had heard that he was beheaded, he walked away to a secluded spot so he could be with the Lord and mourn. His own cousin, the one who spoke of him, who preached repentance before even Jesus preached repentance. Amazing. Those three seasons are all about moving from faith to faith, strength to strength, glory to Glory, for in him we live and we move. Sometimes, lots of times. And if we don't, if we do, we will see that we are also, we, in him we live and move and have our being. We have our very being in him. If we are obedient with eyes to see that we will not lag behind when he says, come on, come on. Come on. Would you stand with me, please? Would you bow your heads? Thank you, Lord. The one who said that he is not willing that any perish is also the one that we can and should assume and fear that he is also not willing that any of us lag behind. People, I see no provision in the word of God for those that lag behind. There's no provision there. 
Maybe you're standing at a river. And Moses is dead and it's time to cross over. Or maybe even Elijah, you're, you're struggling with things that have been taken away. Some things have to be taken away so new things can be given. Maybe some things have just been dying away and fading away and decreasing and and you just can't take it anymore. My heart goes out to you. But there's something greater to be had. Go to the one who baptizes in the Holy Ghost and fire. Follow him closely. Follow Jesus just like Elisha did with Elijah. Just like Joshua did with Moses. Follow Jesus closely. If you're here this morning and there's something that's been pointed out to you, as always, we give time for you to find a place of prayer. If you'd like someone to join with you, I I know that sometimes you don't want that, and that's okay. (laughs) God started it, and he can finish it, and I pray that you would find a place of prayer this morning, turn it over, and say, Lord, I need you in this moment before I take another step. And Father, I pray that there be peace upon this congregation. Each one that has heard this, may there be peace, God. You are the Prince of Peace. Where you go, there is peace. In you, there is peace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that there be a settling of the Spirit this morning, just to have it settled. someone fighting with you over what they're going to do and what you're going to do and yet they want you Lord I pray that you have mercy on them have compassion on them Lord if it wasn't for seasons of transition we wouldn't move at all Father I pray for increase of love Lord we can't obey you without love for you we are, we, we are out of place in this kingdom if we do not love you with all our heart mind, soul and strength, everything that we have oh God help us with that this morning Father, as there has been those this morning doing business with you, I pray, God, that that would continue through this whole week. Lord, there is joy in repentance. There is joy in making up our minds for you, God. There is joy in forgiveness. God, there is joy in salvation. Lord, in Jesus' name, I, I declare that over this group this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you.